Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I wanna encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, Turning Trials into Triumphs, Seeking and Embracing Success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. I am super excited to be here with you today. Listeners, I am grateful for you tuning in. Thanks for being here. And I'm very excited to introduce our guest. I think you're really going to enjoy learning about Shana Rattler. Shana, thank you for being here. Shana is. Yeah, Shana is the founder of the God Shift Movement, a prophetic minister, author, and speaker who empowers individuals and organizations around the world to experience a God shift that moves them into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. She's passionate about helping others develop deeper understanding of God and their identity in Him. And her wit and humor make God's word relatable, and her direct communication style makes it actionable. So with that, Shana, what did I miss? What would you like to tell our audience? Welcome to the show. So first of all, thank you for having me, Todd. I always like to say, because you know most times people have read your bio, there's no sense in you repeating what they've already said. But I like to say that I'm a bold, courageous, life-changing child of God. Um, and I, my, I have one mission, and that's really just to help believers have a better understanding of who they are in God, because I think everything springboards off of that. And when did you come to this? Like, how long have you been walking with, with the Lord? I mean, seriously, I would say, you know, I was introduced to God, obviously, at a very young age, but I wouldn't say that I was saved at a young age, but I don't think I got sold out until probably my early 30s. And was there a was there an event or was it a gradual like tell us how that happened? No, I think more so than anything, um, you know, the word tells us that there is no condemnation in those that love Christ Jesus, but there is conviction. And I think as we mature and the more we understand about the word and how much God love us, loves us, but how much he expects of us as a result of that, the conviction on my life was just to say, hey, listen, I can't afford not to live the way that he wants me to live. And so I wouldn't say that there was anything in particular that happened in my life. It was just a, a knowing that I needed to do everything that I could to live the best life that I could, even though obviously I wasn't perfect. Yeah. You use the word expectation and that's not often, at least, at least I haven't, don't often hear that um, in reference to how God sees us. Like he loves us and he has an expectation. Can you tell us more about that? He does. He has a lot of expectations of us, but it's not what most people think. And it's what I want to make sure that we clear up. It's not these hard 
strict expectations like he's this mean father that's sitting on a throne with an ironclad waiting on us to do something wrong so he can, you know, chastise us or beat us over the head. But he does have expectations that we love one another. He has expectations that we're kind to one another. But the flip side of that, and it's probably a lot of what we're going to get into today, is that there's some things that he expects us to do that he does, like speak to things that haven't happened as if they already are. He expects us to operate in a way that we understand that as his child that is made in his image and his likeness, that we also have the ability to do things in his name and do the exact same things that he and Jesus did. He expects us to do that. He didn't just give us the ability to be strong, powerful people for us not to be strong, powerful people. So how does that play out? You know, like just even, even speaking things or acting as if they already are, right? We, we pray in faith and act as if it is so. How, how does that play out in, in reality? Because if somebody, like some of our listeners may have really no clue what we're, uh, what the Bible says about this. So practically sure. speaking, in our in our lives today, how does that, how do you see that? How do you see it playing out? How's it, how has it played out in folks you've interacted with in your own life? So before I do that, Todd, I would love to give some scriptures that they can go and look up after they listen to this episode, and that they can actually study on their own. Because never do I want people to think that this is my opinion according to Shana one and four. <laughs> so I would love just to give maybe three scriptures that they could go back and look up. But I first will say. Dominion is mentioned in the Bible 44 times, but um, Genesis 1 and 26, make man in my image and my likeness and let them have dominion over all of the earth. That's a great one. Romans 8 and 17, we are heirs with Christ. Another great one. John 14 and 12, greater works than these shall you do in my name. First John 5 and 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. So those are just a handful of scriptures that you can look up on your own, read what becomes before and after it, Google it, get a commentary, whatever it is that you do when you're studying a new word. But to answer your question of how I've seen this show up in other people's lives, I don't see it enough, which is why I am on a mission to help people understand the authority that they have. Because what I run into a lot is believers who are not growing their faith to the level that they would like to. They're not overcoming adversity when challenges come up in their lives. And their dreams aren't necessarily becoming a reality, even though they know what God has promised them. And I believe that one of the main reasons that that's happening is because they don't even realize that they have authority. Or even if they're familiar with some of these scriptures that I've just named, They don't really understand how to unlock it in their lives and make it work for them and in the lives of of others around them. So I don't see it play out enough. But in the people's lives that I do see it played out in, they realize that they have a role to play. And although God is God all by himself, we can't do it without him. And oftentimes he won't do it without us. Why? Because he actually desires that we partner with him and co-create going where it is that he's taking us next. 
not sitting back. And I know this is not a, a video episode, but not, okay, you know, Lord, you said I can have this or I can be that. And I'm just going to sit back and twiddle my thumbs and wait on you to do it. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So as you, as you, as you responded, you mentioned that the, the folks you see that have this working, it's, they've come to the realization. So they maybe didn't always have it, right? But they've come to the realization that they have this power, if I understood you right. Yes. Um, is that, you're, 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 you're the founder of the God Shift movement. Is that, is that the God Shift? Is that, or, or what? How, it is. What's that? Okay. It is. So my definition of a God Shift is the moment that you unlock your kingdom authority collide with God's purpose, and then you move into a greater destiny. So we each have a part. He has a part, we have a part, and together we can accomplish great things. Think about it in the natural. It's the same thing with our kids. We tell our kids what they can do, what they can have, what they can be, but then we don't then lead them to believe that we're going to do it all for them and that they don't have anything to do. They have a role to play in having what it is that they would like to have and seeing what's going to happen in their lives, just like God does with us. It's kind of why it's called a relationship, because it's not one sided. Each person in a relationship has a role and a responsibility to play in where that relationship is going to go and what type of fruits that relationship is going to yield. It's the same way with God. For sure. So, so say I'm, uh, say I'm a believer mm-hmm. uh, and, and I am, but let's the hypothetical. So I'm a believer and I'm fairly new. Let's say I'm new to the faith. Um, okay. I've got a little bit of a foundation, but maybe I drifted. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm dipping my toes in the water, started going to church. Um, a little bit ago, you mentioned that, that folks just aren't growing their faith or going in their faith. So how, what are the tools that you would give or recommend to equip someone to experience real growth in their faith? So I want you guys to write this down. If you're not already taking notes, I'm getting ready to give you the formula to unlock heaven. But before I give this to you, I want to speak specifically to the new person. Um, not the new person that doesn't understand kingdom authority, but you're, you know, kind of mature in the word, but the new person who may be a baby in the faith, as we like to call them sometimes, Mm -hmm. I would say that don't try to understand everything, just do it. Because oftentimes we can get so caught up in trying to understand things that we try to apply human logic to it. And very seldom is there anything in the Bible that is always going to make sense to man's, to man's mind. So and, and and that's a lesson that that I would that I would say is important, regardless of what the conversation is that we're having. But specifically, as it pertains to kingdom authority, I want to give you what I call the ABCs to unlock heaven. The A is align, align with His will, His ways, and His word. Kingdom authority is void if it's not in alignment with God's will, his ways, and what his word says. I jokingly said on a podcast earlier today, authority doesn't work if you're trying to go get somebody else's husband. <laughs> right? like, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for, you know, for ill agendas. And so the B is belief. We must believe not only that God is able, 
that he's willing and he's willing to do it for us. Because most of us who are believers, we at least have an, have an inkling that he's able to do his job. But the question is, is do we believe that he's willing to do it for us? And then the C is confession. Our mouths are the most important and effective thing that we have as believers. If you think about what it says in Isaiah 46 and 10, the Lord declared the end from the beginning. So it's the exact same thing for us. When there's something that we are believing for, when there is something that we have for the Lord in terms of a desire or a request, when there's something that the Lord has promised us, we have to speak what it is that we want to see. And the best way to do that is speaking God's word. So finding scripture that supports our desires or our requests and actually declaring those things. Why is this important? Number one, when we speak and put things out into the atmosphere, they're a lot more likely to happen. But the most important thing is that the scripture tells us that God's word does not return to him void. So what is the best thing to declare? What is the best thing to speak and affirm? God's word. So that's a very simple formula, Todd, that we can use to go, okay, what's a very practical way for me to exercise kingdom authority, even if I don't fully understand it? Align with what his word says, believe that he will do it for you and say it, say it until you see it happen. That is a great formula. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> so a, a little bit ago, you, you used the word collide. You collide with his purpose. Yes. <laughs> and the, the, so it, that's just an interesting, interesting word. Um, and I, th I think there's a lot of folks out there that, uh, for who, who knows, they, they really haven't, um, they really haven't collided with his purpose yet. And they're just kind of searching for their purpose. Yeah. How, how would you help somebody that's in that state there? Um, and they're, they know they've got a purpose or, or yeah. they have a sense that they do, but they really don't. They really haven't figured out what it is yet. For sure. So the very first thing I want to do is I want to bring some clarity to four different words that I hear people can mix up all the time. Like they use them as if they're synonyms that are interchangeable. And that's mm -hmm. assignment, calling, purpose, and destiny. I think it's a great context before I go into how you discover what your purpose is. But your assignment is who you help. And your assignment may change with the seasons. Your mm -hmm. calling is how you help them. Maybe you're a teacher, a preacher, a speaker, a coach, whatever. Your purpose is why you're here, the impact that you're supposed to have in your in the, on the earth. And then your destiny is where your purpose takes you. And there's several ways, if you're not clear on what God's purpose is for your life or what God's will is for your life. Number one, I think that where your passions and your frustrations intersect, that your purpose is buried right there in the middle. So your passion, when you think about the things that you love and that just make you happy and excited, and then your frustrations, the things that drive you crazy and that you complain about and that you would change if you could. I think when you intersect those two things, your purpose is somewhere in the middle. Secondly, what are those things that people always come to you for to pick your brain or ask you advice? They do that because they recognize a gift that you have, even when it's something that you probably don't give a whole lot of thought to. And then the third thing is, is that your purpose leaves clues. So when I think back at 
in my own life, before I was a teenager, I volunteered at a nursing home in the activities department. And there was a patient there that if they moved her, it would kill her because of all the water on her brain. And so I would ask her, like, if you could go anywhere, if you could do anything, what would that be? And then I would come back and I would read a book to her about what it was that she told me. So it was like I was helping her dreams come true. That was clue number one at my purpose. Purpose number two, I go on to be a a physical therapist and I was making people's dreams come true because they needed to learn how to walk again. They needed to learn how to feed themselves again. Purpose clue number two. Purpose clue number three, I became a business owner. I taught them how to make their business dreams become a reality. And now in ministry and in the faith-based sector, I'm really working with people to help them get into the destiny that God has for them. So if I look back at my life, my purpose has always been the same, to help people's dreams come true. But my assignment has changed with the seasons. And many of us, the reason why we haven't identified what our purpose is, even if it's what God has for us next, is because we won't let go of an assignment that has expired. So I want to give you permission today, let go of it if it expired. And sometimes we're going to be asked to let go of trash and other times we're going to be asked to let go of treasures. So just because it was a good thing doesn't mean it's a thing that you need to always continue to do. And so those are a few things that people can can look at that might be indications of exactly what their purpose is. Perfect. You... um you mentioned the assignment and sometimes the assignment is uh it's done with it's it's over time to move on to a different assignment my experience with a lot of us humans is we are not great at change we don't like change we'd rather hang on to something that no longer serves us or anybody around us than around us than let let go for the unknown yeah Um, how how do you help people navigate that how do they know when that assignment is finished how yeah. How, how do you encourage them? Uh, you you yeah. describe yourself as a courageous um, daughter of God. So so how do you help others develop that courage when the assignment's over? So that's a, a long run on several questions. How do they know when the assignment's over? How do you encourage them? I got them it. Go- that's three questions. I got it. So number one, the very first thing that I want you to realize is that one of the main things that can get away, get in the way of you shifting to where you need to be next is either being attached to doing things the old way or what you had in mind. Some things, sometimes the hardest thing to let go of is what it is that we had in mind, right? So I want I want to just lay the foundation for that first. But oftentimes, one of the number one signs that a season has expired is either one, there's just doesn't seem to be any grace left on it. Everything that you try to do in that area becomes hard or pursuing that thing that you once loved is now starting to feel like a chore and it's leaving you like, Ooh, I don't know if I stay on the same path or if I should potentially go, um, you know, in a different direction. So those are some of the indications that maybe the season has expired. And the encouragement that I would give you is no matter where we are in life, whether things have been going really bad or whether things have been going really well, there's a neck, there's another and next level of destiny that awaits every single one of us. So we need to be on the lookout for when that is coming in our lives and recognize that everything that we have within us is everything we need and we're ready enough to at least start. The problem is, is that when we don't know the how, we don't move. But Mm -hmm. the how is none of our business. The only thing God needs is our yes. 
So I would say, are you willing to move forward even when your steps are laced with uncertainty? And we live in the information age, Todd. My goodness, like there isn't anything that you can't find on Google. There isn't, you know, it's, you're going to be hard pressed to find some, to not find someone who's done at least a version of what it is that you're going to do. So there's enough information out there that you should feel secure enough in knowing how to at least get started. And then once you start, that's when everything else is going to come to you that it is that you need to do. So recognize and look for the signs that the season has expired and then recognize that if God gave you that desire of your heart, then he's going to turn around and give you what it is that you need in order to obtain that desire of your heart. It's So I think it's key. Well, there's several key things in there, but one of them is just to have the awareness, like, like to, to just be on the lookout because there's there there could be something new, something different, something better, something you're you're supposed to step into. Uh, but if you're not looking for it, if you don't have a sense of awareness that it might be there, uh, you're gonna miss it, right? Mm-hmm. And paying attention to why things are happening. And oftentimes we think, oh, all of this is happening to me. I must not be worthy. I must be doing something wrong. God must be mad at me. No. The Lord uses unexpected circumstances in our lives to get our attention. And that that the reason why he wants to get our attention is so that he can invite us into what it is that he has for us next. And most of us would not pay attention if he didn't hit us over the head with a two by four. So he has to, he's so committed to his results that he's going to do whatever it is that he has to do in our lives to get our attention because anything that we are putting our energy into that is not on the path that he has for us. He's going to shake our lives up to get our attention and go, Hey, I got something better for you over here. Even if what we, what we're, he's asking us to let go of is great. Sometimes when people are being called to shift, they're making the most amount of money they ever have in their life. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I can think of several examples where he uh, had to be more abrupt with me because I probably wasn't paying attention to the signs or was too stubborn, scared, whatever to to, pay, to to do anything. But I'm curious, when's an example of when he's shaking, like grab you by the shoulders and giving you a good shake, like Shana, pay attention. I, I actually was just getting ready to tell you that example before you asked. So <laughs> I became an entrepreneur in 2007. And by the time... 2016 and 17 rolled around, I was really grooving. I was making excellent money. I had great things. I was speaking in different countries. I had celebrities as clients. Like I I was doing very, very well. Well, in 2018, when the Lord was calling me to ministry, he allowed everything around me to dry up. My relationships and opportunities were drying up. Nothing I did worked. Um, In my book, the very first question in the introduction, it says, what the hell is going on? I think that those are six words that we ask at one point of our, in our lives or, or another, especially as believers, like, Lord, I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to be a good person. I pay my tithes. Like, why is this, you know, nothing working? Like I'm hiring all the people. I'm doing all the same things that I've done before, but now all of a sudden nothing is working. Well, because he knows me, just like those of us who have kids, We know our children and we know what our children will respond to. Well, if the Lord would have just whispered or lightly tapped me on the shoulder, I definitely would not have paid attention that I was being called to ministry. 
I didn't want to pay attention when it was clear, but he had to allow everything in my life to dry up so that he could then start to drop the signs and the indications in my life that he was calling me to ministry. So like I said, he'll get your attention in in whatever way he knows is going to work for you, because what might work for Todd might not work for me and vice versa. Yeah. 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 So when, when everything was drying up, was there ever a crisis of faith? I'm not going to say there was a crisis of faith. I, by that time, knew God well enough to know that it was because he had to be up to something and he was probably up to something good. And I didn't have to be a deep biblical scholar or mature in the word to be able to come up with that because I thought to myself, well, he knows I have to eat. (laughs) You know what I mean? He knows I have to pay my bills. So there's no way he's going to allow all of my income revenue, my income and revenue generating activities to dry up if he's not going to replace them. So I was wise enough to know that he had something for me. Obviously, in the in the beginning, I had no idea what it was going to look like. And even after I was clear that he was calling me to ministry, there was still a period of time that I didn't know what that was going to look like. But again, I thought to myself, Lord, this is what you're calling me to. Then I know you're going to take me through it. Mm-hmm. So, so how did you how did you know where to where to step next? So you mentioned I did, earlier. I did that first. I did okay. that first. Um, I had to, but I can tell you, I can tell you what you do when you don't know. You get still, and. I believe that when we spend time in God's presence without a lot of other noise is when we hear the best from him because we can't follow instructions that we can't hear. And so if your days are full of music and social media and talking to people on the phone and watching television and being exposed to messages and sound, then you can hang it up because God's not going to scream. He is wanting us to get still and spend time shutting up and listening to what it is that he would have us to do and what it is that he would have us to, you know, to, to, to say. And so in the beginning, I didn't know what it was going to be. And so I just spent some time saying, you know what, I'm just going to spend some time being still. I'm not going to have unnecessary conversations, um, which was a lot easier for me because I, I, I lived alone. My son is already out of the house and I'm unmarried. So that's not as easy to do for an extended period of times, you know, if you work outside of the home and have other people that live with you. But you better find pockets of time so that you can shut out the noise so that you can hear what it is that he's saying to you and um, begin to detect the, the direction that he's taking you in. Yeah. So in, and you already touched on this in this day of stimulation bombardment. Um, mm-hmm. what, you know, what, Yeah. What's your practice or, or what, what tips could you give, like, um, like spell out what, what should somebody that's living in a busy metro area um, or, or wherever, how can they find places, spaces, time to get quiet? I talked to a number of people, people that, that struggle with this um, and can never seem to find um, their alone spot or their alone time. So Because you you're not going to find it. You have to make it. You have to be intentional. 
If you're looking to find time for anything, you're not going to find it because time will fill itself up with everything that it can possibly fill itself up with. And everything that's out there will fill in your time. You've got to make the time. So you have to ask yourself what times of the day are going to work best for your life. You may have to set an alarm clock to get up 30 minutes before everybody in the house is up. You may have to stay up for 30 minutes longer than everybody else is. You may need to use your lunch break to go sit in the car and lock the doors. <laughs> um, you know, so you have to be intentional about making the time. You're not going to find it. Sure. So, so just like anything else that, that's important, whether it's, whether it's date night or time with your kids, schedule it, make an appointment, yeah. honor, yeah. honor the schedule and follow through. Exactly. Anything that I really want to get done. I'm, I love lists, but in my day-to-day life, I don't operate off lists. I operate off of appointments. So let's just say, for example, um, a couple of the things that I need to do today are schedule out my social media posts and write a chapter in my next book, right? I'm making this up. I don't just write that on my to-do list because to me, to-do already implies that it's probably not going to get done until sometime in the future because they're saying this is what to-do. Like, yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. But what I do do is I put it on my calendar like a doctor's appointment and I treat it like that because guess what? When I'm at the doctor, I'm not on my phone. When I'm at the doctor, I'm not folding clothes. When I'm at the doctor, I'm not doing anything else other than what the doctor tells me to do. So everything that I want to get done today, I assign it a time on my calendar. And during that time on my calendar, I'm not doing anything else. Just like this. I knew that at three o'clock my time today, I was scheduled to record the Why Not Me podcast. I'm not doing anything else during this time other than that. The best productivity tip I ever heard was to do that. Uh, it's yes, I, I agree. It's a practice that I uh, I use. Um, it's not always perfect. Um, I, I sometimes don't reschedule those appointments if if I have to move them. Uh, but I'm light years ahead of where I was a year ago. So what is what what's next for you? For me? Yeah. Well, um, my literary agent is in the process of shopping my next book around to publishing houses. So um, my next book will be with a traditional royalty publisher. So I'm excited about that. And then what the Lord has really showed me is that he's going to use me mightily in media. And I'm already involved in a lot of media currently. But currently, it's primarily my own media outlets and other people's podcasts. So I don't know exactly what forms of media that I will be used in, but I'm pretty comfortable um, in saying that I know in the very near future that I will be on some more notable media outlets. Cool. Excited for that. Can you share what the... uh, so? Your your agents, shopping publishers, what's the book about? Kingdom Authority. Kingdom yep. Authority. When it's when about the same topic that we're talking about today. Yeah. When will when will it be available? Well, we don't know because we're shopping it around to publishers right now for them to pick it up. Got it. Okay. 
Okay. Um, coming back to this notion of kingdom authority. If I'm not even sure how to, to phrase that one. Who all is it available for? Everybody who is born again. Everybody who is a believer of Christ. My, my um, Shana definition of kingdom authority is that when you were born, you were given a birthright to do what Jesus did and more. So it's not reserved for clergy. It's not reserved for those that have been on fire for God since they were six years old. It's available for everyone. And that's what the scripture tells us. Thank you. I wanted to, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to just make sure that I understood that correctly. As we seek to land this, as we're getting close to the end, look to land the plane. I've got a question. One final thing. Um, well, before I do that, is there is there anything that we that we didn't cover that you would like to share? No, I think that's it. Basically, you know, we have to understand what is the authority that we have. If you think about what it says in John 14 and 12, greater works than these shall you do in my name because I'm going, I'm going with the Father. That means Jesus was saying to us, I've done all I'm going to do. I have now passed the torch on to you and you are not only going to do all of the things that I did, but you're going to do more than that. So once we understand that, we have to understand how we can begin to see it happen in our lives. In the very baby and elementary tip for practicing that is what we talked about when I talked about confession. Open our mouths and speak because our mouth is the most powerful thing that we have at our disposal. And what I would say is, is that instead of doubting it, Instead of struggling to understand it, just do it. And I can guarantee you that if you will begin to speak out of your mouth what it is that God has promised you, what it is that the scripture says, you will begin to not only see it happen, but you will begin to feel a lot better every single day of your life. Cool. I think one of my favorite things that uh, uh, that you've shared is just the simplicity of just do it. Don't, don't get caught up in the mental <laughs> in thinking about it. Uh, cause you may not fully understand it. There's so many things about God that we don't understand. Just, just start stepping forward. And there's so many things on your job you don't understand, but you don't dare not do it. <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. just be simple about it. Yeah. That's a great point. You, you still show up and go to work doing what you do know how to do. You do what they tell you to do, whether you understand it or not. Yep. Do what the Bible tells you to do, whether you understand it or not. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple right there. That, <laughs> At least for now. You know, like obviously you want to grow to where you're studying so that you get an understanding because the word says in all that getting, get understanding. But to at least start, if you try to fill it up with, with, with logic and understanding, like you're going to miss it every time. Yep. 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 So Shana, if if you were to leave our listeners with one important or impactful question uh, that they should be asking themselves or something they should be pondering, what would that 
important, impactful question be? That's that's perfect. I, but I also want to give them a free gift so we can talk about that after this. But the question that I would have you ask yourself, why not me? Hmm. No pun intended for the fact that we're on the Why Not Me podcast, but why not me? If the Lord is no respecter of persons, and that's scripture, and there's all these things that I can do and that I can be and that I can have, why not me? And why would I not want to take responsibility for my own life and what it is that God says that I can be, do, and have? That's perfect. Thank you. Uh, You mentioned a gift for our listeners. Tell us more. Yes. So um, one of the things that that I know is that there are a lot of areas of our lives that are affected day to day. But I, and I also believe that God is always asking us to shift in one capacity or another. So I created this free guide and it's called When God Says Shift. And inside that guide, what I do is I outline the four shifts that are required to reveal God's plan to move you into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Again, it's completely free. You can get it at God Says Shift. Dot com. Again, that's God says shift.com. And it's going to tell you, regardless of where you're shifting, why he's asking you to shift, these are the four shifts that are going to be required. And I can tell you that the very first one, it talks about becoming. Who we become is so much more important than what it is that we're supposed to do. Yet that's the very first question we ask the Lord. What do you want me to do? So go grab that free guide at God says shift.com. Awesome. Thank you, Shana. Uh, for, for listeners that want to get to know you better, contact you, is there is there a best way uh, to get in touch with you, Shana? I would say that the best thing to do is to follow me on social media. If you have Instagram, I'm the most active there and it's a God shift. Um, if you're on Facebook, you can find some things from me there as well. And guess what? It's a God shift. Um, and so I would say that the best place is to look and see some of the things that I posted because a number of the questions that you probably have, I probably have done a video. I probably have done a podcast. I probably have done a post about that. And so look out, you know, look out there on my social media and see some of the things that I've shared. And if you ever want to get in contact with me, whether you have a question that you want me to answer, maybe you have a podcast or a church that you think that I would be a great speaker at, you can always inbox me on either one of those platforms, Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. Shana, thank you so much for being here. Time time is precious. So the gift of yours is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It was an honor and a pleasure. I've enjoyed it, Todd. Awesome. And listeners. Thank you. Truly, thank you for being here. Uh, Your time also is precious. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm very grateful. And I would leave you with this. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has placed on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you 
Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.